Welcome to Childcare CRM, the podcast. You're familiar with Childcare CRM, the company, and hopefully you love using Childcare CRM, the product. I'm your host, Sierra Rossing, and I serve as the content marketing specialist here at Childcare CRM. So today I'm here with Julie Wassum. Julie is an internationally recognized expert in childcare marketing, and she coaches and consults childcare owners who are interested in developing their sales and marketing programs to grow enrollment. So clearly you've got a lot going on, Julie, and you help a lot of people with their childcare businesses. How did you initially get started in this industry? Well, thank you, Sierra. It's a pleasure to be here. And and yes, I am busy with clients all over the world. I got started in the childcare industry when I became the National Director of Sales for Children's World Learning Centers, which over time was acquired a couple of times. And um, when I made my departure, I began my own company, the Julian Group, to help particularly directors and those directly responsible in schools for admissions and enrollment conversion um, to be better at it and to be more successful in filling their schools. That's fantastic. And what initially inspired you to found the Julian Group and begin your own company? Well, in my work in the industry for uh, when I was a director of sales, I realized that many of the people who were in those positions I mentioned, admissions and and uh, directors and admin people, came from education or administration, but had no real formal training in how to um, convert prospects into customers and retain them, and also how to do some school-level marketing to generate inquiries rather than just depending on a a marketing department or a person in their organization. So uh, it inspired me to be able, with my knowledge of early care and education and my knowledge of sales and marketing, to be able to form a company that could provide those services and resources anywhere in the world. That's great. Yeah, I think um, obviously the services that you provide are helping a lot of people. So what exactly is your client demographic or what have your customers looked like in the past that you've worked with? Oh, I've worked with delightful customers all over the world, and they have ranged from generally companies with about six schools to 65 and up, um, and they have been either for-profit or not-for-profit, all different kinds of ways that they work together as an organization. And so it's given me an opportunity to really see how early care and education can be delivered and needs to be then handled with the prospect to convert them into an enrollment in that type of an environment. So uh, it's lots and lots of people. And of course, at conferences, it's a broader spectrum of demographic of type of early care and education provider. And it's always a pleasure to assist them as well. And you've got such great insight because of you know, all the experience you have and the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And last time we spoke, you mentioned that parents are more hesitant to enroll for care this fall. Can you share a little bit about that issue and why you think it's prevalent today versus this time last year, maybe? Yes, for sure. This has been a year like no other in not only in the early care and education industry, but of course the pandemic has affected so many families and industries and and businesses. Um, But let me back up to the way there are three steps really parents go through when they are going through the enrollment process 
And the first one of those is investigation. And that's when they're really looking online, talking to other people. Um, so that's word of mouth or like Chip Donahue, who's a, a tech consultant in the industry, he calls word of mouth, the people and the website and internet searches word of mouse, which I think is great. So it's that plus reviews are very, very important. So people are investigating a broad spectrum of what might be a good fit for their family. Then the second stage is consideration where they develop a short list of schools they want to contact to find out more about the potential of being their choice. And you're really lucky if you get on that list because then it becomes one of the ones they're truly considering to select. And that means your ability to take that contact and convert it into a tour and a, hopefully a registration becomes paramount. So that's the second stage. So first is investigation. Second is consideration. And then the third one that's really important drops it from that three to five schools are looking at for consideration to decision. That's the third step. And usually it's between two, maybe three schools. And what we found is that you asked about the differences. Parents now make that decision faster than they used to. So being right on top of everything you're doing with a prospective family who's serious and has actually contacted you um, means that the, the, it has changed the timeline. Also, the to answer your question more directly, the changes that have happened for families, for parents looking for care and considering care and, and needing uh, early education services and care have have changed in, I think, really three ways. One is that this last year, they've required much more flexibility. They're working from home. They, don't, they may be going back to work on a hybrid kind of situation, may have lost their jobs and need some flexibility in not coming the entire day, if, if at all, like they used to. Um, they also really want heightened, transparent communication. So ongoing communication about what's happening in the school, allaying their fears of safety and health uh, in the, and cleanliness in the schools, as well as just helping them to really make the decision as to when to return to the early care and education setting. So that communication has been, it, it's always been important, but it's really been important in the last year. And then I think the other thing that has risen up to the top is that they want a real clear picture of the value exchange. In other words, what are they getting for the investment they're putting into their early care and education for their family? And so I think those are the three big changes that I see. Oh, that's fantastic. And so now that parents are making decisions faster, how long would you say that the consideration stage is on average today? What's important with that now is really rapid response. Mm -hmm. As soon as you can, within the hour, if you can, if you're getting a web lead, and for sure, within the business day, if it's a Friday, maybe you can go till Monday. But if you've got a way, like through Child Care CRM, to contact them immediately with either an email or a text, and then 
let them know in that that you will be getting back to them within 24 hours, within the business day, however you prefer to word it. That has become really crucial. And I found it very interesting in the latest childcare CRM benchmark report that that report of 4,000 sites showed that 79% of, of the um, contacts that were made within 24 hours were able to convert that inquiry into not just a tour scheduled, but a tour completed, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal and shows that the parents are ready when they call you in that consideration stage to actually visit the school or the center, whether it's virtually or in person or both. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. We, you know, at Childcare CRM have found that following up within 24 hours, like you mentioned, is really the best way to convert someone. Um, yes. And beyond, you know, how quickly they should be following up, how mm-hmm. often should providers be following up with new leads? How many times should they be reaching out? Uh, this is a wonderful question. And I'm a proponent of something I call the fortune is in the follow-up. The fortune in getting conversions, the fortune in helping more children, the fortune in building your revenue, it's all in there. And so I think setting up a system, the one I use with my clients is called the mail, mail, call, follow-up system within certain timeframes, and I'll give you some of those, is a great way to set up a system of continual follow-up. Now, I know childcare CRM really supports that because you can set up when you want emails and texts to go out and have business rules around the timeframes, which is a great way to do it with a CRM system to support you. The point, though, is that you want to have, after that initial contact and you have reached out to them within 24 hours, maybe with a call or text, an email or text and a call, however you've set that up. Then if they have not chosen to come in yet, or perhaps they've toured, but they haven't chosen whether or not to register for you, the mail mail call works for both of those. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be an initial immediate contact, a thank you Uh, something personal that you found out about the prospect in that initial first couple of contacts that you address with some of the unique benefits of your school. Then you wait no more, I say, that's only about two days after those initial contacts. And then I would recommend you wait no more than a five-day week period to send them another contact, be it a text. Um, And I keep saying text because there's a high percentage of millennials that prefer text over email and phone. Now, early care and education is such a personalized decision that generalized statistics like that don't often take into account that they do want many times a personal call, a contact with you because of the feelings based decision that early care and education can be beyond all the other things we show them and tell them. So that's why the call comes in as the third thing that I recommend. And that call, again, is a week, maybe three days to a week after that second mailing. And in the call, even if you miss them, 
saying I'm calling as I said I would, because in that second mail or text, you told them you, part of your um, content of that is that you are going to be reaching out to them by phone to help them make this decision. So see, they're still in the consideration stage, but your job really is to help them make a good buying decision and get them to act on your recommendation. So if you set that positioning up for you as the knowledgeable, helpful resource they can trust in your mails, in your text, and in your call, then when you call, you can say, I'm calling, as I said, I would to help you with whatever it is that I can do for you right now to make this decision that's a good fit for your family. And so in that call, also, so now you're two to three weeks in after you asked about the timeline. And many people will make a decision within about two weeks. Not everybody. And everybody's situation is different. But that can help then move them from consideration to decision. If it doesn't, and they're not ready for, for either a tour scheduled or a registration, during the call, I always recommend that you say, we, as you know, periodically send out information of value to help you in making this decision. Would you like to continue to get that? And one thing, Sierra, you don't want to say is, would you like to be on our email list? Because who likes to be on email lists? <laughs> we have way of them that we never signed up for, right? So, so, but if you positioned it, that statement, as we send out information of value to help you make this decision, would you like to re re continue to receive that? Most people will say yes. So uh, does that help answer that question for you? Yes, it does. And it also brings up another question, um, you know, during these communications that they're having with parents, how should providers be changing their messaging? You know, should, when should they initiate a sense of urgency with the parent to, you know, um, encourage them to commit to enrollment? Or when should they only restrict their messaging to thought leadership pieces, if they should ever do that? Okay, great. And uh, now with each message that goes out, particularly mails and mail and text, a couple things to keep in mind. One is that most millennials will read these on a mobile. Mm -hmm. So they need to be short, easy to read, and maybe have a link. If it's a text, I'd, uh, many people don't like to open an attachment mm -hmm. on a text. Right. So I would recommend a, a link if you can do that. They need to link to something, uh, address and link to something that's unique about your school or center and something that's of value to that family that addresses a personal express need they gave you in your initial interview. Maybe it's about how to prepare their child for kindergarten. Maybe it's about separation anxiety. Um, maybe it's about how to help your child learn to share more, which are your, as you mentioned, your thought leadership kinds of things. So, um, those can be attached each time. Now, there are some times when you do want to create urgency. And uh, those are when you know you are going to be filling a classroom, the classroom that parents want, and you want to encourage the parent to be able to think about registering soon because you don't want them to miss the opportunity to have that space. Now, we've all been working under COVID 
capacity restrictions for a long time, but many of those are lifting and inquiries have really been coming in a lot lately. So it's a normal time of year, the first quarter for inquiries to increase. But I think those parents who have been what I call on hold and not enrolling, maybe they registered even and they didn't actually start. They are really thinking now about going ahead and getting started or um, registering for summer camp, seeing how it goes and then going for the fall. So that you need to look at what's happening with your own school's um, community and target audience of prospects and see, is this a time when we want to incent them to re-enroll for fall? And maybe you do that by setting a date by which they re-enroll. And if they do that, in other words, create the urgency for them to re-enroll by say June 1st or May 15th, whatever day you choose, and those who do that get a savings on their registration fee. Or you can offer to break up the registration fee and the materials fee. Because for many parents, it's hard to be paying tuition and uh, add on another registration fee for fall and a materials fee for fall in a single month. So think about, think outside the box about ways that you can help make it you know, you're trying to help parents make a good decision, but you also want to make it so that they can be with you when they really want to be with you and not hurt your own revenue stream too much. So, and a little bite on your registration fee for the lifetime value of a customer is a good return on your investment. So I think there are times when you want to create urgency. But mostly in your stream of follow-up, you want to be providing information of value to them to show them how you can meet their personal needs and be that knowledgeable, helpful resource they can trust for a long time to come. That's fantastic. And I love the that you mentioned breaking up the registration fee. I think that's some great um, a great tip because you know, creating that sense of urgency. I know at least a childcare CRM and offering, um, you know, special deals where we can, of course, to help incentivize people who want to come on board, but maybe you're debating due to financial reasons or timing um, is a great way to help, you know, encourage them that now is the right time. So you mentioned breaking that up. Would you suggest kind of providers offering a type of payment plan for parents or is there a certain you know number of months they should try to make sure they recoup all those fees are you talking about the tuition or the ancillary fees those initial the initial um, materials fees and the registration and the registration fees yes they can um break them up and just make it that you pay the registration fee this month and the materials fee next month or the total sum and break that up. And it's school by school and company by company how they can do that payment plan. But it would be for those people who enroll by a certain time. So there's an incentive to actually get registered and put a start date on the calendar. Uh, the other thing that we haven't addressed that can help parents who are in that situation is to remind them of your referral program. I'm a strong proponent of parent and staff referral programs because that sum that they can get when a child enrolls or a month that the new person has been there for a month, however you have it set up, is it usually a savings on the referring parent's tuition. 
And that can be extremely valuable to those parents who are kind of on the fence, who know that if they refer two people, it's going to mean a chunk off of their tuition the next month. Um, and that can be another incentive to make people realize that they can go ahead and enroll and make it work for their family's budget. Yeah, great. And if someone is, you know, not engaging with your follow-up communications and they're kind of dropping off little by little, when should a provider start to consider that individual a lost lead or when should they start to scale back their communications with them? Okay. I'm asked this all the time. And what happens is most schools follow up once or twice and give up. And they're always asking me, and my, my clients are always asking me, how long should I follow up? Which is, I think, what you're asking me, right, Sierra? Yes. <laughs> and I have this saying that it's a little irreverent, but I like it. And it's that you should follow up with them until they buy, die, or tell you not to. And by that, I mean um, uh, nothing bad. What I mean by that is keep following up the fortune is in the follow-up and if you use the mail mail call system in your call you gained permission to remain in contact with them because you asked them if they would like to continue the kinds of contacts that you had regularly given them before to try to help them make a good buying decision if when you ask that they say no then stop because they're telling you not to the other reason is if they tell you they have enrolled somewhere else. And that um, means that they become a lost lead. It doesn't mean that you never contact them again, but it does mean that they have moved to, to the decision phase between perhaps you and someone else, and they have decided on someone other than you. So those are the times when I think you can stop following up. You, the, the thing I'm asked is, well, isn't it... Um, poorly received if I follow up too long because they think I'm pestering them. The answer to that is, it is if you're not sending information of value. See, the keys to, to follow up being well received and opened, frankly, is that it has to be timely. When you're still top of mind and they're in consideration, it has to be of value in their perception. So that's why when you were asking me what to send, it can't just be a, a group of canned email drips. It has to be very carefully tailored to your school and the needs you know your prospects have. And it has to always position you as the knowledgeable, helpful resource they can trust. That's your positioning. So when your follow-up does that continually, it will not be seen as something that's either irritating or that they don't want. And if they no longer do want it, when you ask that question in a call, they will say, no, I don't. And you can always then tell them you understand and that should they ever want to be um, have your help again or rethink this again, that you are most welcome and would love to have them join your school's family. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Sure. And some of the times, Sierra, people don't enroll, not because they don't want to, but for some other reason that's not about you. Mm -hmm. So I would really caution you against taking that as a true rejection against you. And if you handle it properly, you never know. They may become your customer in the future, or they become a good resource for you as a referral for families they know who could become your customer sooner. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, and regarding them possibly becoming a customer in the future, um, we, of course, at Childcare CRM have lost opportunity email campaigns built in for our users. Yeah. And we recently had a webinar where we discussed how to design a lost opportunity email campaign. So Good. how would you suggest um, or what is the best time that you think providers should use a lost opportunity campaign to re-engage those lost leads? Okay. Well, there are two key times and I'm delighted to hear your at CR, Childcare CRM, you're talking about that and, and helping your clients with that. What I recommend is two different times. One is during some time during the first 90 days after that person told you they're not coming to your school or not to contact them anymore, they've gone somewhere else. Because during that time, they're rethinking, was this the right choice? I call it the probationary period. It's really intense in the first 60 days, and but it goes to about 90 days. And so if you reach out and just check in, maybe do a lost opportunity survey and make sure that you they know you support that they've made a decision that's best for their family and you're here should they need you, that sort of thing. It's not a promotional thing at all, but it's a contact. Because if they do decide that wasn't the right choice and you're top of mind, guess who they're going to contact to re-enroll somewhere else. So that's the first time. The second time is about six months in, or depending upon when the enrollment was, when those transition times occur, when the child might be moving to a new class or between the school year and summer camp. So um, those are good times to just reach out. How's it going? Here's the teacher in R4s. I know you're moving from threes to fours. Um, here's a profile on her. You're always welcome to come to events that we have open to the public, like open houses and special kinds of events where you might be exhibiting. And so just keeping that contact there in those two time frames. So in the first 90 days and then about every six months. Mm-hmm. In a recent blog of yours, you mentioned the five non-negotiable conversion skills. Can you share what these five key points are and how providers can sharpen these skills so that they can use them with parents? Sure. I'll be happy to tell you what they are. Um, We need a lot longer than a podcast to go into a whole lot of detail, (laughs) but let me give you the basics. The the five non-negotiables are that you, first of all, need to assess what your prospects' needs are. And these are really sales skills, but it's very customized to early care and education when you know that you need to build a relationship. This is a relationship-based conversion. So finding out what they really need is so important. And to remember that um, you have to get deep into what they're really looking for. I have a technique that I use for that called ask, ask, educate. And that's where you ask that first question. What are you looking for in the early care and education you want for Susie or whatever the child's name is? And the parent answers. And then you ask another question. So if they said, well, I really want them to be ready for kindergarten, you might say, what skills do you think are important for your child to have in kindergarten? 
or what skills do you feel they already have and are ready for kindergarten? Or, you know, a, another open question and then educate. What, what sometimes happens is you ask a question and then a director will immediately start to educate. You can get more needs if you're delving a little deeper. So the first step is finding out what the prospect really needs and wants. The second step is then what I call benefit presentation, which is matching the unique differences in your school that can give the prospect what they said they need by making statements that show them what they get. Rather than just giving them a list of features, really stating to them how what you have can meet the need that they have and putting their child into that picture. The third step is getting a commitment, a final commitment. So that's really the final close. Asking them to become part of your center's family, asking them to come in for a school visit, of course, would be first, but then asking them to commit to registering and enrolling and setting up a start date. The fourth one that's very important is learning to handle when they say no. So learning to handle objections, I call it handling objections with comfort and ease. And I have a AAA formula that we use in my training to help directors do that. And it really works. Then the last step is the one we've been talking a lot about, which is follow-up. Follow-up is really a key to success in conversions. And it's been proven for years that those schools who follow up regularly with information of value have a higher rate of conversion than those who don't. I recently released a blog post on Child Care CRM, the blog, that stated that providers who follow up a minimum of seven times are 20% more likely to enroll their parents, which I think is just, you know, the rule of seven, of course, if you have a background in marketing and sales, you probably already know about that. Um, and I discuss it all the time. So um, I'm sure some of our listeners are aware about it, but it makes such a huge difference. Those follow-ups specifically within the five to seven range. I love to hear from directors and owners who, who, contact me and say, oh my goodness, that worked. You wouldn't believe this parent said I'm the only one who did that. And so they enrolled with us. Right. Like, yes, yeah. it works. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing those um, non-negotiable conversion skills. And clearly there is a lot more that goes into each of those. Is yeah. there a place where people can learn more about those individual skills from you? Well, one of the resources that I have available is called the Enrollment Accelerator. And it's an online, user-friendly, easy access video program with 16 10-minute videos. I know directors don't have much more than 10 minutes to put into a, a training like this, but it's broken up into those individual skills, those five non-negotiables and, and the rest of the skills that I know uh, directors and admissions managers need to be able to be using best practices and having higher success at enrollment conversion. And then the other skills in the series are things for school level marketing, community marketing, making your staff, your marketing partners, the value of using a CRM and how to choose one. Um, and the things that I know parents need, referral programs and those kinds of things. And that comes with a book of action steps so that people can really know who use it, can know how to, whether they're a manager or a school level director, whether they work 
directly with the people or if they're independent so that they can know how to apply the skills. So those non-negotiable skills are incorporated into that. And there's one other resource I have that anyone can subscribe to that's free that's called Wasm 62nd Enrollment Tips. And I think you get those, Sierra. That's a tip that I send out every week. It's also a video, a 60-second video that addresses one specific thing. Actually, this last one, I think this week, was on um, the enrollment conversion success with good effective follow-up. Or they might be on something like, how do you answer the price shopper, you know, that calls you? Uh, so those are also available and people can subscribe to those on my website, which is juliewassum.com. So um, those are also available. And uh, these are things that I do separate from conference speaking and workshops and those kinds of things. But with individual clients, we do webinars and seminars in a series or, or sometimes they're single, but often they're in a series. Or I have three levels of consulting that I do with clients, everything from a jumpstart for a certain project, like opening a school, to um, something very comprehensive and long-term to really make a, a difference in their occupancies. Um, another is individual school coaching. You know, I like to work, really like to work with individual schools, um, specifically working on skill needs and challenges, as well as building strengths and doing role-playing and those sorts of things. And then I have the resources I mentioned and I also have one in the works that's called Enrollment University. That's a subscription service that will be a monthly service for schools who subscribe to have uh, webinars and office hours or something I call an Ask Julie forum. And also to have the resources they need to support the topics we're talking about, templates, dialogues, guidelines, those sorts of things. So there's a variety of services that really encompass training, coaching, and consulting and resources that are available. And most of those are, are just, are, um, um, there's a description of most of those on the website. So. Um, Great. Yeah. Amazing. I will include uh, the link to your website in the description of this okay. episode so people can access that. And regarding the Enrollment University, that sounds like a really valuable resource when are you starting that program? I'm building that right now. So I'm looking to launch that. Uh, I've learned not to say an exact date because yeah. sometimes <laughs> I'm not the one that, that does it all and it can't happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm hoping to launch it in the summer because summertime is a time when parents really start to, if they haven't already registered for fall, they're strongly considering it. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a high inquiry time and a time when directors could really put these skills to use right away mm -hmm. so, to yeah. make them more successful. So the whole idea is to make schools full and directors and admissions managers and um, their bosses successful, the school company and the children, everyone benefits from it because the more children that can get really high quality early care and education, the better it is for all of us and the families that build the communities that last for a long, long time, way beyond their tenure in the child care centers. So I'm all for that. And helping people be able to do that is a, a goal of mine and something I really enjoy doing. So thank you for asking and having me. I hope I've answered all your questions. Yes, yes. You gave me, you know, even more than I was hoping for in terms of value and insight for our listeners. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me and chat today. 
Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you for having me, Sierra, and good luck with everything you're doing with Child Care CRM. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Child Care CRM or Child Care Forms, visit us online at childcarecrm.com. And make sure to follow, rate, and review so you never miss out on another episode.